The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Smallville Gazette, a PapiChularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, February 24th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CWs, Superman and Lois. Please welcome my co-host, Professor X. Hello, Smallville. All right, let's jump into our discussion of Season 1. Episode 1, which was titled, appropriately enough, Pilot, and aired uh, February 23rd, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. After years of facing megalomaniacal supervillains, monsters wreaking havoc on Metropolis, and alien invaders intent on wiping out the human race, the world's most famous superhero, the Man of Steel, a.k.a. Clark Kent, and comic book's most famous journalist, Lois Lane, come face-to-face with one of their greatest challenges ever, dealing with all the stress, pressures, and complexities that come with being working parents in today's society. Complicating the already daunting job of raising two boys, Clark and Lois must also concern themselves with whether or not their sons, Jonathan and Jordan, could inherit their father's Kryptonian superpowers as they grow older. Returning to Smallville to handle some Kent family business, yeah, think. Clark and Lois are reacquainted with Lana Lang, a local loan officer who also happens to be Clark's first love, and her fire chief husband, Kyle Cushing. The adults aren't the only ones rediscovering old friendships in Smallville, as the Kent sons are reacquainted with Lana and Kyle's rebellious daughter, Sarah. Of course... There's never a dull moment in the life of a superhero, especially with Lois's father, General Sam Lane, looking for Superman to vanquish a villain or save the day at a moment's notice. Meanwhile, Superman and Lois's return to idyllic Smallville is set to be upended when both a mysterious stranger dun 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 and uh, impassioned self-made mogul Morgan Edge enter their lives. All right, let's check in on the ratings for Season 1, Episode 1. Superman and Lois's 90-minute premiere event averaged 1.71 million total viewers with a 0.4 in the demo rating, uh, with its first hour delivering the CW's largest audience in that time slot in two years, since uh, The Flash's Season 5, Episode 12 episode, which uh, was then viewed by 1.71 million total viewers as well. Um, It wasn't as huge of a hit as the CW's most recent new series, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, uh, but it did deliver the CW's second largest season or series premiere audience since Batwoman Circa Fall 2019. There you go. 
All right, let's jump into this. Uh, it it was a, a supersized uh, premiere. Uh, it, it was uh, a reintroduction of Lois and Clark to uh, the CW. Uh, we've gotten tastes of them over the course of uh, some huge crossovers, as well as Supergirl. But a lot of that was kind of just remixed and, and blended up and, and and just, I don't know, maybe kind of forgotten as Superman and Lois sets up its own world, which we'll be discussing sort of some of the changes, which um, were, I guess you could call cri-sequences, as the, as the professor patent-pended uh, last year. Uh, okay, so let's start off with the general premise, because we got a lot of information in those first two minutes. What did you think of the setup? What did you think of the reintroduction of Lois Lane, Clark Kent, and Superman in that opening, Professor? Well, I thought it was, it was really well done, like sort of doing it as that montage off the top, uh, having Superman voice it. Um, you know, it, I, he's not going to be the the singular lead. You know, he's somewhat different than most of the other CW shows in that it is a shared lead. And uh, I think uh, obviously uh, Lois is going to be, as we saw in this episode, a big part of it going forward, as are the kids. Um, I thought it was really good. I mean, to a certain extent, you know, you don't need the repetition of the Superman story. It's like, you know, you don't have to show Uncle Ben dying every time there's a, a Spider-Man story. Uh, but that said, um, yeah, and I don't know whether it was just, you know, the fact that you know even though this was a premiere these are two characters who are so firmly lodged in the pop culture canon that you know i have the same sort of emotional reaction to them that i would have to a show that i've been watching for years so i found the uh, the opening really moving you know it really established the idea that even though superman is superman he's also clark kent and sort of showing that scene where he meets lois lane for the first time um and uh and just falls for her like that uh i thought it was really really good and just you know establishing you know the the life they lead yes he's off you know uh saving the world on the reg but uh the fact that they do have a family you know and you know the uh uh, you know, the, the challenges that he faces trying to balance that. It's it's a very interesting, uh, you know, take on the characters, you know, much more grown up than, than we usually see. I mean, you know, they've tried to do the Lois and Clark together, you know, famously Lois and Clark, uh, the show with uh, Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. Uh, but it was, you know, more played for laughs, uh, even though it was like an hour long uh, drama. And it was before they, they got together and, and got married for the most part until the last season. Uh, so I think, you know, sh- sort of showing them as grownups really sets this uh, show apart from your standard CW fare. These are, you know, two mature grownups, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, mature grownup situations, even though one of them regularly puts on uh, tights and flies around a lot. So I, I was really impressed by the way they chose to start the episode. I thought it was a smart way to introduce the characters if you're not familiar with them or reintroduce these versions of them for those who are familiar with the characters in one form or another. But I thought it worked really, really well. I agree with you. I really like the setup. Uh, for anyone out there that that's you know hadn't seen any of uh, Superman and Lois, um, it, previously on any of the other Arrowverse shows, whether it was the the big crossovers or on Supergirl, I think this was a, a great introduction to like these iterations of the characters. 
Um, and uh, it was, uh, it was I don't know, I, I thought it was really cinematic. It was beautifully shot. The entire series was beautifully shot. I mean, the, the fact that the aspect ratio is a bit more cinematic than some of the other CW stuff. And uh, just the cinematography, period. It was just stunning. Uh, the way that they were using like the close-ups and the slow-mo at times was really nice. It was just, it was very artsy-fartsy, but in a very good way. I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, that opening. And um, yeah, it, it was just great to see the characters again. Uh, we've always, uh, we have talked on other podcasts about... Uh, about Tyler as Superman, about Bitsy as as Lois, and we've really enjoyed their interpretation of uh, the character. So seeing them on their own show, headlining it, uh, was really exciting for me. I, I was glad to see them back on my screen. So uh, we start off in Metropolis, but we quickly move to Smallville. And uh, I, I was wondering what your thought were about that professor so the the major thing that happens um, and it's interesting because I, I think in every interview and in every press release and in, in every article where they talked about the move back to Smallville they always talk about you know they're going back to Smallville because there's some Kent family issues and this that, and the other I don't think anybody thought that Mama Kent was gonna die so that was a surprise for me. I mean, it made sense uh, as to why they would be moving back. You know, a death would kind of lead to a major life decision like that, you know, if you want to save the farm and that sort of thing. But it still came as a surprise for me. Were you expecting Mama Kent to die? And uh, what, what do you think of the concept of moving this super couple uh, back to Smallville, when ideally, in the past, uh, especially, I, I believe, in every comic book form, it's always Superman in Metropolis. You never really have Clark move back to Smallville. Uh, no, and and uh, I think you know, you know, much as I hate, you know, uh, you know, killing a, a a blameless old lady who we later find out in the episode was an absolute saint in the community. Yeah, it did give them that inciting thing, um, and I think you know, if if Ma Kent was still around, you know, living with them or or living nearby, it probably would have been problematic and and pulled focus from uh, the main focus of the show, which is Lois Clark and the two kids. So you know, as an inciting incident, it makes sense, and honestly, for Clark to give up his his you know. Uh, his life in, uh, in in Metropolis and for Lois to agree to move back to Smallville as well. Um, you know, there had to be some sort of, you know, large inciting incident. And, you know, it can't be, you know, Superman deals with, you know, planet threatening, uh, you know, catastrophes on a daily basis. So for him to have that emotional thing, you know, it, for him, you know, this is, you know, probably the either the most or the second most, uh, you know, uh, jarring event in his life, you know, uh, the, the death of his father and the death of his mother. And I think, you know, when you do go through something like that, it does force you to question what you're doing. Um, you know, uh, any any uh, child who goes through the death of a parent, you know, has to to think about where they are in their lives compared to their parents, how they're living their lives compared to how their parents live their lives. And so I think it, it was a good inciting incident. It made sense. It did feel a little bit story convenient to, you know, kill her off as an inciting incident. But having said that, I think it was a good reason for them to come back. And without that, they really didn't have the motivation to come back. I, I was thinking at first she might just be, you know, when, you know, she was talking on the phone and saying she just needed to lie down. I was thinking it might be that, oh, she's going to require, you know, constant medical care or something like that. So they'll move back to uh, to be around her. But I think it's probably a cleaner break, even if it's uh, more emotionally wrought 
uh, to do it like this. Yeah, uh, poor Mama Kent. Uh, that was uh, yeah, that was totally unexpected for me. But it makes sense for the storyline, as you said, uh, Professor. I I don't know if they would have had any t- any any reason to move back to Smallville if it wasn't for uh, Mama Kent's death. What did you think of Smallville in general? Because, uh, you know, we're used to seeing the series where it's, you know, it's a small town, but it's a vibrant small town. And uh, this Smallville, this Smallville setting is not vibrant. It's very sad, to be quite honest. And uh, it it is... um, it's almost a mirror of what's happened to some small towns here in the United States. You know, uh, if if a factory closes, or if if their their means of uh, vibrancy sort of dies off, whatever you know, a power plant or, or whatnot, you know, the small the small town almost starts to die, and it looks like that's what's happening to Smallville. And I think that was another one of the uh, the very grown-up approaches to that. Like, this really didn't feel like a CW show. And I mean that in the best possible way, much as I love the CW shows. This felt like a much more grown-up uh, show, much more in the, the Black Lightning mold than, uh, than you know, Flash or Legends or... Uh, uh, or or even Arrow, um, I, I like that. It's it's you know got a little bit of the social commentary without being quite as heavy handed as sometimes some of the other shows are. Um, it, although it does sort of you know raise the interesting idea that maybe it's not the overall economy that's causing these problems. Maybe there is a, a nefarious Morgan Edge behind the scenes, uh, you know, uh, doing things that will only become evident later on. But I, again, I thought it was a very rooted, grounding thing. I think it would have been a mistake for them to come back and and Smallville was uh, you know just you know spectacular and wonderful, you know, kind of you know sort of a Stars Hollow uh, experience like we had back on the show Smallville, where it was you know uh, wacky and and meteor freaks of the week and stuff like that. So I think it, it was again, it's a sign of the growing up. Just just has, uh, you know, Clark has grown up and changed. So has Smallville grown up and changed and not necessarily for the better. And, you know, there's that interesting parallel. I think, you know, anytime you go back to, you know, the, the house you grew up in or the, the town where you grew up in, uh, you know, you see the changes and they're not always for the best. And I think it's, it's again, very an, an interesting take to do right from the first episode, establishing that things have changed, not for the better. And, you know, I think, you know, from Clark's point of view, there's that sense and, and even putting it in the, uh, the mouths mouth of the uh the obviously you know unsympathetic uh fire chief character you know the idea as he says that you know people used to go off you know get their education come back and improve the town which is something that clark clearly didn't do and now in his case he was he had a very important job elsewhere um but i think that's that's certainly you know uh true of many small towns you know the, the small town i grew up in you know most of us probably don't go back there i certainly don't um but uh, again, I think it's it's uh, it's it's giving you know a show that could easily be about you know cosmic threats and everything like that. They're they're working very hard in this first episode to ground it in the realism of a contemporary family drama in which one character just periodically rushes off sometimes to put on tights and and punch big space aliens and stuff like that. Um, and I like that. I, as I say, it, it doesn't feel like a CW show, um, but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It feels like a very mature, grown up character study of you know. Uh, a man and a woman who love each other very much, but, you know, they both recognize their failings and their strengths uh, and they're trying to do the best by their kids, but there's the challenges. So even though there is the unrealistic superhero aspect to it, the show itself feels surprisingly grounded. 
It does. It does. Um, yeah, it's incredibly somber, which, uh, which the, I mean, I guess you could take that as either a compliment or, 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 or diss, but I mean it as in, in the best way possible. Um, it, it is, it's not as light as Supergirl or, or The Flash, even though recent seasons of The Flash and maybe even recent seasons of Supergirl haven't been as light as, as the original seasons, of, so the earlier seasons, um, it's definitely not as dark as uh, Black Lightning or Arrow. It, it's kind of found its own spot sort of in the middle of, of like those shows. So, but, but does it make sense for the Superman character, though? I think what... Um, what was interesting about the series is that they did as, as dark as, as it was, as, as somber as it was, you know, everything that's going on around Clark slash Superman, he still maintained his sort of positive outlook, even though he was given some crushing news throughout the, um, the series. Like it didn't change him as much as a character, which, um, I liked. I mean, it's just the premiere, so it's you know it's. But based off of what we've seen of Superman, of Clark Kent, um, I, I he's still sort of like a beacon of hope, which I liked. What, what's your take on that, Professor? Um, it is the the series is darker than most Superman series. Uh, I mean, I don't want to compare it to the films because people immediately go to. Snyder and that kind of stuff, um, and and I hate it when you know they just you know they they take a director style and they just want to repeat it and that sort of thing. I mean, I feel like they did that with Nolan so much. Um, but what's your what are your thoughts on just the the tone and is it appropriate for the Superman character? And and did you feel that? Um, the way that Tyler portrayed Superman still gives us that sort of the 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 joy that there is in Superman. Uh, I think I think yes. I think he he remains you know perhaps not the beacon you know the shining beacon of hope uh, you know uh, that we've seen before. Although I think he still serves that purpose in the wider world. Uh, but I think the the thing about Superman is that he is you know a good man because of his upbringing, because of John and Martha Kent. Um, so I think no matter what happens to Superman, uh, and you know not to get into Snyder dumping, but I think what Snyder failed to understand about the character is that he is fundamentally good. He's not fundamentally selfish. He's not hiding away. Um, he is someone who has been raised with a sense of, you know, uh, you have these abilities and your responsibility uh, is to use them uh, for the betterment of the world. And I think the challenge that Clark is facing is that his realization that while he has all of these powers uh, and they have allowed him to save the world, probably on countless occasions, um, they don't enable him to be a better father, um, that he's facing the same challenges as everyone else, the uh, the same failings. But even with that, I think, you know, by the end of the episode, we saw by the fact that, you know, the way that he had reconciled with his kids shows that, you know, even though he's he's questioning himself, have I been a bad parent and stuff like that? I think the uh, the evidence of how the kids have been raised is that they are 
good kids and that he and Lois have done a good job raising them. Um, but the doubts that they have are the same doubts that every parent has when they look at their kids and wonder, have I prepared them properly? Have I done enough? Have I done too much? You know, the uh, the challenges that uh, that parents face, you know, in the modern uh, environment of, of dealing with these situations. Uh, you know, you're always wondering, could I have done more? Should I have done something different, et cetera? And, and I think it's it's a very humanizing thing. It's, it's very easy to look at Superman and and think, you know, the uh, the spandex and uh, and the uh, the superpowers and and all of that. And we got that in this. But the thing about Superman is that he is Superman, but he wants to be Clark Kent. You know, he wants to be the father, the husband, the member of the community. And I think that uh, this is giving him a chance to do that, even while he will, I'm sure at least once or twice an episode, still be, you know, putting on the tights and, and darting off to to save the world. But mm-hmm. I think the bigger story of the uh uh, of the series is going to be the family dynamics, the uh, the evolution of their relationships and him trying to, you know, go back to the place that, you know, meant so much is to his parents and try to to rescue Smallville. So even as he's saving the planet on a regular basis, I think, you know, his attempts to uh, to save the farm and to uh, to save Smallville, I think will be equally important and make him for a, a much more grounded uh, irony uh, intended for a flying character. But a much more grounded, realistic character. And it's so easy to do the the alien, uh, otherworldly aspect of Superman, you know, because he's someone who, you know, almost literally can't be hurt. He's someone who, as they mentioned in this episode, never seems to age. Um, uh, you know, he's uh, someone who is, you know, Superman, a symbol. Uh, I do like the humanizing aspect of this. And uh, I think it's, it's a, a very smart take to have because it brings out the Clark Kent, which is often ignored. But, you know, the, the classic, you know, Superman, Batman dichotomy is that, you know, Batman is the real character. Bruce Wayne is, uh, is the mask. I think Clark Kent is, uh, is much more the real character and Superman is the persona. And, and we see that in this, you know, in him trying to relate to his family, uh, in him, you know, even, you know, the scenes where he's talking with Lois, where he's, you know, just like any other husband, uh, you know, trying to broach the subject of, you know, I think we should move back here and realizing that, you know, that's going to affect his wife and his kids and everything like that. You know, he's not the superhero that we, we sometimes see in the other shows where it's just like, we're doing it my way because my name is on the show. Um, and again, I felt like that was a very real grounded uh, take on the character. He's, he's not trying to be Superman. He's trying to be Clark Kent, a father, a husband, a son, and a member of the community. And, you know, he, he, and obviously, you know, for him to move back to Smallville, it's not that big a deal. He can, fly to metropolis obviously within a matter of seconds and and go wherever he needs to go uh to to save the world on the reg but i think this grounding of it and it also you know again from a a plot point of view moving the kids out to the country it allows you know the experimentation of powers and and you know his reveal that would have been very different in the uh uh in in the city uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, again, I, I, I just think it was, you know, very smart choices that they're making to set this, this show up on uh, a very different, very realistic, as realistic as you can make a show about, you know, an alien marrying a woman and having two kids, at least one of whom has superpowers. Um, yeah, it, I think they did a really, really nice job of, uh, of establishing the, the challenges that Clark is facing as Clark. Uh, whereas I think most of the superhero shows, we deal with the challenges uh, with the exception of Black Lightning, I think we're usually dealing with the challenges that the titular hero faces because of their powers. The real challenges that Clark is facing are what he's dealing as Clark or dealing with as Clark, not what he's dealing with as Superman. Very true. Well, speaking of what he's dealing with, let's talk about the kids. So this is where I think the series stumbled just a little bit because they gave us, 
kids that are pretty much just stereotypical kids. I mean, we have the popular jock, and then we have, in essence, the loner gamer, who also, on top of that, has uh, anxiety issues. Um, I, I felt like that was a little too on the nose. Um, I wish that they would have maybe changed some of the personalities a little bit, like maybe had the, the jock be the loner and, and have the gamer be popular. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that would have at least spiced up the stereotype a little bit. Um, that's something that just, it, it bugged me. I was like, oh, we're going to go down the stereotypes. Like one is going to be one and one is going to be the other. I guess it's, it's, I don't know. I, I guess that that was the, the way that the writers thought they could make them clash a little bit, but still um, love each other, uh, which I liked uh, that aspect, though. I mean, it wasn't that the twins are constantly fighting each other. Uh, they're, they're, they seem to be uh, well-bonded, uh, which was nice. Uh, I mean, I think the, the usual stereotype, especially on the, C the CW, is when you have kids that are in their teens they you know they hate each other so um at least you know they they have mutual respect um so the storyline for them is uh we thought the the jock jonathan was going to have the powers but it turns out that it's jordan at least for now that's uh, exhibiting powers uh, their storyline also included the fact that they both found out that uh, their father is Superman. They reacted in a very teen kind of way, um, which uh, I want to get your take on that as well, Professor. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts in general on the twins? Uh, what did you think of Jordan getting powers? Do you think Jonathan will also have powers based off of the flashback that we saw? Uh, I mean, I don't think a, a normal kid can throw a football through walls. So I would assume that maybe his are still kind of dormant. And uh, the way that Jordan's powers exhibited in the episode, um, do you think that's going to have a sort of ramification to it? Because um, they they got into a fight at a bonfire. Cell phones were whipped out. Do you feel like somebody recorded something? Um, I think we we I, I think it, it's entirely possible that uh, they might have. But, you know, it was just a brief burst of of, uh, of the I beams. It wasn't like they were flying around or anything like that. Um, uh, getting back, I'm not entirely sure about that, but I thought the scene with the football was young Clark throwing the football through the wall. I didn't think that was uh, young Jonathan. Um, I thought that was in the flashback to Clark growing up. I, I didn't I don't think we ever saw any sign. Uh, aside from Jonathan, you know, being, you know, really good for a freshman, uh, that he had superpowers. Um, so, uh, uh, I, I don't think, I, I think they were obviously setting it up that if one of them is going to have Jonathan, but as soon as they set it up like that, you just know the twist is going to be, no, it's the emo kid, uh, who has the superpower. So that, that didn't take me by surprise at all, but I really like the dynamic between the two. Uh, you know, I have an older brother and, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the way they, you know, they mock each other, especially Jonathan, you know, mocking his, uh, his twin. It, it might've been better if they weren't twins. If like, because they, they definitely have the older brother, little brother dynamic. Uh, and the, the, the two are playing it in that way. 
Uh, but boy, I just found myself, you know, much as, as I don't like young people in general, as is established on the podcasts, uh, I really like those kids. Um, you know, yes, they started out that, you know, one is the sullen one, um, uh, and one is the, the more outgoing one, but you know, you, you really got the sense that, you know, uh, you know, Jonathan always had, uh, Jordan's back. You know, he was trying to help him out, whether it was, you know, setting him up with the cute girl or, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the playful mocking that felt very real to a brotherly relationship. Uh, so I like that. And by the end of the episode, I really like them both. Uh, I'm glad they didn't go the route of uh, of Jonathan having the powers because the way they were setting up Jordan, it would have you know been a sort of, you know, uh, you know, toxic envy sort of situation. Um, mm-hmm. One other little thing that I like uh, that I think is, uh, you know, an interesting take. Uh, for uh, for the show, which I think is is somewhat novel in the CW verse shows, is they're dealing with mental illness. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not in the mental illness of wahaha, I'm going to kill them all. Uh, but you know, the fact that uh, Jordan and Sarah are both you know on medication are both dealing with this uh, and uh, and and dealing with it in a very realistic uh human way so i i liked that and and i did like the uh the relationship between the brothers i liked that uh you know and, and jordan you know uh once he, he he suddenly felt different realized he had powers his first instinct was to save his brother and guess what jonathan's first instinct was to jump in there and try to save his brother as well although jonathan would have been crushed and killed i do question who decided to store those heavy pipes up on the second floor on the loft that seems like a very bad idea but don't uh, question I mean, mama kent I, I, by the end of the episode i really really i like those kids i like their dynamic and uh, and i like their decision that jordan will be the one dealing with powers now that said perhaps jonathan will uh, will develop uh you know uh, a resentment or uh, or an envy but i think it would have been you know you were talking about the the cliched teenagers i think if they'd gone the other way the idea that that jordan was the sullen resentful one would have been the absolute cliche you know having the uh you know the the popular jock brother going hey it's cool you got powers that's that's awesome i'm still awesome on my own because i don't have powers and i can still do this mm-hmm. um so yeah i i really ended up liking those two by the end of the episode in a way that i honestly wouldn't have thought i would uh, at the beginning of the episode. I agree with you on that. 100%. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Lois. Because um, I enjoy Bitsy Tulloch as Lois. And uh, you had said something earlier in the podcast that said, you know, well, obviously they're going to be sharing um, the screen together and, and then this, that, or the other. And I felt like Lois was really underutilized in this episode. And I know it's the pilot. It's it's the very first episode. We got a world build. We got to set things up. And, and a lot of this episode was from Clark's POV. And because it was from Clark's POV, I felt like we didn't get as much Lois. And that was disappointing to me just because I really enjoy Bitsy's take on Lois. Uh, she is getting her own storyline, though. We are getting Lois Lane, investigative journalist. Uh, I should mention that Clark was laid off from the Daily Planet, so Lois is the only one that's working at the Daily Planet at the moment. And it has been taken over by Morgan Edge. Uh, we are going to talk about Morgan Edge separately because uh, that's um, a sort of a tweak from a continuity that we know and I want to get your take on that separately so focusing specifically on Lois though um, I do like that she does seem to have her own villain that she might be taking down over the course of 
the season or the series as a whole. So I did like that setup, but I did find myself wanting more Lois, which um, for, for the series being called Superman and Lois, uh, I, I wish that we would have seen a little bit more of her. Uh, what did you think of Lois and uh, the setup for her storyline in uh, this pilot, Professor? I agree she was a bit underutilized in the episode, but part of that is because, you know, by making, you know, uh, because, you know, the big part of the uh, the show was about the moving to Smallville and because they made the decision to kill off Clark's mom. Uh, plus the fact that whenever you're going to have the requisite, uh, you know, Superman action scenes, those are going to be Superman centric. It kind of ended up being a bit more Superman centric than I would have wanted. Uh, but I think that was kind of inevitable for a first episode um you know you, you know it is a cw show you've got to have someone in tights flying around and and doing the uh, the cg effects so um you know that that's obviously going to put her at a disadvantage um you know i think they they did establish her as you know clark's equal uh his superior in terms of of being a reporter um you know the uh you know and you know his acceptance of that and in, indeed i think in the same way that she you know looks at him and you know with a little bit of worry about you know what clark's getting up to but also pride in what he's doing uh i thought you get think you get the sense that you know clark feels exactly the same way towards lois you know he uh he absolutely you know respects her and you got that you know again in the dynamic that they had where they're talking about the kids and uh you know her making the argument you should reveal yourself him making the argument that I shouldn't. And here's why, you know, it's, it's very much a matter of equals. It wasn't one saying no and stamping their foot and saying, this is the way we're going to do it. It, this is, you know, uh, a married couple that loves each other and, you know, uh, you know, negotiates with each other and, and each shares their opinion freely. Uh, and again, I think that's just, you know, so refreshing, you know, uh, on a CW verse show where you're not seeing, you know, people keeping secrets from each other. You're not seeing, you know, uh, simmering resentments and uh, and jealousies. Um, I think it's it's really just, uh, you know, it's delightful. I do agree that, you know, uh, Betsy Tulloch was uh, was underutilized in the episode, but I'm sure they'll deal with that going forward. The problem is that it's a CW verse show. As I say, you once you make the decision that you've got to have a certain amount of time where Superman is flying around saving the world. That sort of does sort of push uh, Lois into the uh, the Iris role where, you know, she gets the B plots where she's, you know, uh, you know, uh, sneaking around reporting and, and uh, doing her research. And honestly, it's just not as visually interesting to see someone, you know, going through the public records office as it is seeing someone freeze a glacier and uh, and use it to uh, to damp down a nuclear reactor. I know, right? That was awesome. By the way, is this the way you Americans build your nuclear reactors just open to the sky? That seems a, a design flaw. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about some of the changes in continuity and that sort of thing from the continuity that we were introduced to over on Supergirl. Now, if you have never seen Supergirl, none of this matters to you. But uh, we've seen Supergirl. I mean, we've talked about every single uh, uh, superhero show on the CW, pretty much. So the small changes were we had a couple of casting changes. Uh, Sam Lane, uh, Lois's father, is played by a different actor. And, uh, yeah, played by a completely different actor than um, he was portrayed over on Supergirl. Um, 
Morgan Edge is played by a different actor as well, and he seems to have a different uh, character. Well, he's probably a bad person still, but um, based off of what had happened over on Supergirl, I think he was in jail uh, based off of the nefarious stuff he was uh, doing over on Supergirl. So it looks like that was changed, which we could consider both of those things as crisis sequences, uh, uh, consequences post crisis on infinite earths um because uh, another crisis sequence was the fact that lois and clark have teenage uh, twin boys as opposed to one uh infant child and uh the other thing that that's continuity wise that was featured in this episode and it was really the only thing that bugged me because morgan edge being around sam lane being a different face that didn't bother me at all because we're setting up a new universe the only thing that bugged me, and I don't know if it bugged you, Professor, is Cara Danvers, Supergirl, wasn't involved in any of this. And listen, I'm not saying that I needed Melissa Benoist to have shown up in the episode in person at the funeral. That would have made the most sense. But a phone call, or even just a casual reference like i just got off the phone with cara she sends her love something like that i i felt like it was important and it it just it wasn't included i guess it wasn't important for the writers but i think that little just narrative thread just a teeny tiny little something would have um would have been great for continuity would have made sense especially because throughout the first season of supergirl Superman and and Supergirl were texting each other. And uh, we know that there is a closeness in their relationship. They may not see each other all the time, but they do text each other, at least. They do talk on the phone. They are there for one another, even though they aren't there physically with one another. So I don't know if that bugged you, Professor, but it did. It bugged me for a little bit. As I was watching this. It didn't bug me as I was watching the show, but looking back on it now, I agree. Like, obviously, Melissa Benoist, uh, you know, was pregnant, had a baby. Uh, That would have been, you know, problematic. And then there was COVID. So, you know, flying people in for something. Now, that said, there's no reason that, you know, uh, Melissa couldn't have uh, recorded a, uh, you know, a message for him. uh, Or just, as you say, sent him a text thinking of you because Kara. Um, But I I think having her show up at the funeral would have been a mistake because she doesn't, you know, have any public connection to Clark Kent. You know, uh, obviously Lois Lane knows who she is, but there's no indication that even the kids would know who she is, uh, let alone the people of Smallville. So I think that would have been maybe taking fan service a bit too far, but I do agree, like just a a little shot of, uh, you know, uh, of, of a text screen. Uh, you know, something like that. I think we can safely head candidate that she, you know, flew in by night to uh, to pay her respects and uh, uh, and give Clark a hug. But um, uh, that that you know obviously is head cannon. But yeah, it didn't bother me in the moment. And I think honestly, when you're doing a pilot like this, you want to establish yourself. You don't want to. It, this wasn't a backdoor pilot where you know it was taking place in an episode of Flash or something like that. They wanted to establish their own style, establish that. And you know, uh, given the fact that you know Supergirl isn't coming back until uh, you know summer uh, at the earliest, uh, you know this show may be wrapped by then. So maybe, and you know, then it's going to be the last season of Supergirl. So you know, we may not ever be able to get that sort of you know uh, in-person crossover. Uh, but I do agree, like just a phone call or something like that that could easily have been done uh, would have tied the show better into the the wider universe. But then again, maybe 
you know, Superman and Lois are going to try to take more of a, a black lightning approach, which is, you know, we're not really part of the larger, uh, you know, uh, Arrowverse. Uh, you know, we're not going to be called upon when Flash is dealing with Mirror Master. We're not going to be there when, you know, the legends are looking for an alien or something like that. Uh, and maybe this was just a way of sort of subtly reinforcing that, that even though they are on a shared Earth, uh, they're not going to be uh, taking advantage of that as much. And I think, honestly, it's, it's, just, it's one of those things, too, that, you know, in COVID times, you know, because we know that there was a, a crossover planned that had canceled because of COVID. You know, it's just a, a nightmare to try to to schedule getting, you know, actors from two different shows together and, you know, expanding the circles and stuff like that. So I wonder whether maybe that was a COVID casualty uh, as much as anything. Maybe. But that doesn't... James Olsen could have been there, too. You know, Correct. and again, it's... It's but again, it's I think there is that there's the COVID difficulties. Also, I mean, it was, you know, a a small funeral, uh, you know, uh, really just, you know, family and friends from the local community. But, yeah, I I think that, you know, maybe if this had been done during non-COVID times, we would have seen, you know, uh, a bit more of that. But Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that we didn't didn't really bother me when I was watching it, because, you know, I, I think the show wants to go its own way. I agree with you on that. But, uh, and I didn't even remember about James, but now that you mentioned him, like even a text, you know, just something from either of them would have been nice for continuity wise. As, and especially because both of them, Cara and James, were, were are, are so close to Clark. And uh, it, it's a shame that they didn't do it. I do wonder if um, they would go around... And especially now that Supergirl is ending, if they would recast James, because McCod Brooks, I mean, he's going to be starring in Mortal Kombat. I don't know if he wants to return to a CW series. Uh, would they recast James? Well, he's off in California running a newspaper, so it's not like he's going to be coming back to Kansas or have any reason to be doing anything other than, you know, a text or something like that. Well, I it depends on if they I, completely I erase that continuity. Because, I mean, it looks like they they completely erased Morgan Edge's continuity from Supergirl. Well, yeah, that's, that's entirely possible. Um, but uh, I, I think the other reason for it is maybe they were thinking to themselves that, you know, this is a pilot. Uh, you know, they want to do their own thing. And they might also be thinking that because Superman and Lois Lane have, you know, more broad spectrum appeal than just the Arrowverse, then I think there would have been people, you know, conceivably tuning in for the premiere who would have seen, you know, a text from Kara and gone, who the hell's Kara? That's a good point. I think unlike uh, unlike, you know, if you're dealing with, you know, uh, a black lightning or flash or or something like that, I don't think you can assume when you're dealing with characters that are as well known as Superman and Lois that you can assume that everyone watching this show are the same people who are watching Supergirl and Batgirl, Batwoman and uh, and so on. So I think that that might have been a conscious decision uh, to not put in anything that might have confused or alienated uh, the audience by tying it into a larger CW verse. Cause they are, they're probably hoping, you know, obviously they're hoping that they get more than just the casual CW viewer or the CW verse viewer. They want as many people as possible. So I don't think you want to in the first episode be throwing in Easter eggs that, uh, that, you know, CW verse uh, fans like us would go, Oh, it's Kara. Uh, whereas other people would go, wait, who the hell is that? Okay. I can dig that. And realistically, if you look at the, the ratings, uh, you know, the ratings for this were higher than a rating, the ratings for a typical episode of Supergirl. So presumably they did have first timers coming in, uh, checking out the show who might not have been familiar with uh, Kara, the backstory or anything like that. That's understandable. Let's talk about some of the smaller characters in uh, this episode. Uh, let's talk about uh, Lana. Let's talk about K- 
Kyle, and let's talk about uh, General Sam Lane. Professor, what did you think of them? I know all there two of them are are married. Uh, we've got the other one as uh, father-in-law. Uh, were you s- surprised at um, the fact that uh, Sam knows that uh, Clark is Superman? Uh, what did you think of their relationship? And uh, and what did you think of the return of Lana? Uh, well, I'm saying return. Uh, for those out there that watch Smallville, I mean, she was a major character in Smallville. Um, so uh, what did you think of how they they introduced Lana in this world? Um, I liked um, I actually kind of liked the dynamic uh, with uh, with General Lane uh, at the beginning of the episode, a little less uh, later in the episode. You know, it, it's a bit problematic because, you know, traditionally Sam Lane has been, uh, you know, uh, an antagonist uh, for for Superman and an antagonist for Clark because he doesn't like the idea of him dating his daughter. Um, I think they, they sort of you know, and obviously that's going to be the question. Well, does her family know about this and, and so on? Um uh, for that matter, does Lucy Lane still exist in this uh, post-crisis world? Who knows? Yeah, um, that is a big question. So, but I thought they dealt with it well, just sort of walking away, and then you know, uh, you know, Sam mentioning the kids, and also you know, uh, you know, Sam mentioning you know, you know, taking the grandkids to go fishing and stuff like that. It shows that he is a part of their life. That you know, he's he's not just the the hard ass who's using Superman as a tool. Uh, he's also, you know, he's the grandfather who's, you know, looking out for his, his grandkids. Um, and that was good. It, it did sort of call into contrast, you know, later in the episode, uh, you know, the scene with the laptop where, uh, you know, he just expects Superman to drop everything and, uh, and, and fly off, you know, uh, you know, seeking the, the meta of the week. Uh, whereas Lois is insisting, you know, that's what Superman might do, but Clark has responsibilities here. And uh, I think we got a sense of the sort of, you know, the, the resentment, you know, I don't want to say resentment, but the, uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, Sam isn't necessarily entirely happy with this situation. But I do like the fact that, you know, he's not being kept in the dark, uh, you know, because that, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's become such a superhero trope. And much as I am a fan of the secret identity, um, you know, famously uh, on these podcasts, I think the idea of trying to keep that from, you know, your father-in-law doesn't make a lot of sense. So I like the way they introduced that. I love the way they introduced the fact that uh, that he knows who Superman is. And it also, you know, even if Superman does move out to Smallville, it means he still has that inside guy who will tip him off to when there are situations that he needs to deal with. So I think they they sort of introduced that, that quite nicely. Uh, Lana looked great. Uh, it was nice. Uh, you know, it was interesting to, uh, to sort of get the hints at the... Uh, the uh, the conflicts in there in her relationship that uh, we got courtesy of Sarah, uh, which was uh, Sarah and her her sister. Uh, I think it was her sister who outed it the first time. Um, but uh, no, I think it was a, a good way to introduce her. I think you know um, she's uh, she's she's going to be an ally. She's someone who's still close to Clark and close to Lois. There was no sense of the of again simmering resentment. Um, if you're looking for simmering resentment, look at Kyle, yeah. um, who you know and. And, and, you know, I, I think they actually did a pretty good job with him. Like he could have easily come across as a, uh, you know, a, a Fox News watching, uh, you know, uh, you know, caricature. But, you know, he had a certain, you know, uh, roundedness to that. You know, he is the guy who stayed behind in this dying community. And, you know, the resentment that he feels is not a resentment towards superheroes, you know, such as we would normally get in these shows. His resentment is towards those who abandon the town. Uh, and are seeing it dying. Uh, and, you know, you see that in small towns all the time. Uh, so I think it, it, it felt 
quite real. I think he's obviously being set up as as a bit of an antagonist, but not a complete douchebag of his, as an of as antagonist. Because later in the episode, you know, when he shows up with the fire trucks to uh, to help out the kids, you know, he's he's not being resentful towards Clark. He just you know had a little comment about you're a very lucky family. Um, but I don't think that there was anything particularly edgy to that it was not oh you're a lucky family uh you know something that uh, that sarah mentioned you know that what her father has seen in that community um you know has been difficult for him so far from being you know a a simple caricature of a basket of deplorables i think he's he's someone who you know has a resentment and uh but i think they're 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 going to give him an honest chance to to make that point uh as it's obviously going to be in conflict with uh uh with lois and clark's more you know eastern liberal uh, experience, but I do hope that that they make him a well-rounded character, and they don't just reduce him to uh, a caricature, a villain, or uh, or a foil. Yeah, or someone who's insecure about Lana and Clark. Uh, I mean, the fact that yeah, there that was could the be line, problematic, but yeah, um, the fact that it was the line like, "Oh, she was looking at your Facebook page, and Daddy was angry." I was like, I. I was glad that they didn't at least immediately fall into a CW trope. I mean, these are the adults, but it doesn't mean that they can't give them the CW trope where it's, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the old love and, and like the current wife, they don't get along either side or the other. Uh, Lois seemed above it all, which is good because that is Lois Lane. Like I don't want Lois Lane to be insecure about Lana. So that I, I like that. I, I I didn't. I was like, ugh. I winced when I heard about the Facebook thing, but um, it, it, their the relationship between Lana and Kyle it's interesting, and and I hope we get additional layers to that. Uh, I wonder if if that relationship is gonna be doomed based off of just the little bits of information that we've gotten in the pilot. Um, but I did find, I found Lana very likable. I found Kyle unlikable, but interesting. Um, it, it doesn't mean that he can't be redeemed at some point, but he, he was a little unlikable in um, the pilot. Unlikable, but but still likable, as you said, because, um, you know. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't want to present everyone, you know, in Smallville as, you know, uh, as I said, it's like Stars Hollow, where everyone is just, you know, wacky and, and you know, friendly and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it makes sense for there to be some resentment there uh, within the community, uh, you know, towards the people who left uh, and didn't come back. And, you know, towards the people who, from their point of view, escaped, went to a better life. You know, that's going to lead to a, a resentment to those who, who stayed behind, whether because they couldn't leave uh, or because they chose not to. And I think... I, I don't think you're going to see, you know, the, the classic CW love triangle uh, with Lana simply because, I mean, they made it very clear in this episode that, you know, Clark only has eyes for Lois and Lois only has eyes for Clark. Yeah. Those two are, are absolutely in love. I think that's going to be, you know, uh, for those of us who, you know, uh, have been despairing over what's been happening over on Black Lightning, they immediately become, you know, the uh, the, the the best couple in the Arrowverse. Admittedly, that's not up against a lot of competition these days. Um, but uh, I do think it's possible that you might see, you know, this might see, you know, and again, if, if Lana is dealing with the sort of, you know, the sense of loss, the sense of, well, if I hadn't stayed in Smallville, what my, what my life had been. Um, so I don't think it's, it's necessarily going to be romantic, more, you know, the, uh, the, the sense of, you know, lost opportunities uh, might be uh, an issue for her going forward. But again, 
you know, she, she, she has a job. She's active in the community. Um, you know, she's, you know, successful by Smallville standards. Um, but I think, I think the interesting parallels will be, you know, the, uh, the relationship between, um, oh, uh, Kyle and Lana and their kids and Lois and Clark and their kids. Um, yes, you know, which is of kind of how, ironic. How, this, how the superpowered parents are dealing with similar problems with their kids as the non-superpowered parents are dealing with their kids. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic that uh, that Sarah, Lana's daughter, I guess has a crush on Jordan, uh, Clark's son. So, I mean, the parallels there to the past is kind of uh, fascinating. Uh, before we move on, because I do, I do want to, well, there's a big, big thing that we have to chat about. Um, I, I also want to, I just wanted to add, um, I, I really enjoyed uh, Dylan Walsh as uh, Sam Lane. Um, I did like their relationship, as you said, in the beginning, and then at, towards the end, I did sort of question it a little bit. Um, but I hope that we get a much more positive portrayal of General Lane versus what we have gotten in the past, where he's just a douchebag asshole and, and that sort of thing. So uh, I guess we're going to have to wait and see what they're going to do with this character. But um, he was interesting. Um, at least you know, that's a good thing. So let's talk about this mysterious stranger, because I feel like we've covered everything else. Okay, so mysterious stranger dressed like uh, Master Chief from Halo. He's uh, doing stuff to nuclear power plants. He leaves a Kryptonian uh, uh, message for Superman. You know, you're you're a fraud in essence. Um, he Superman gets called away to another nuclear power plant, and they have a confrontation. We get some supervillainy dialogue. You know, I lost my world as well. Um, we have history there. Uh, when I when I landed here, I found out that you were here as well. You're going to pay, and all this type of stuff. Uh, he had kryptonite stabbed him in the chest, left him for dead. He, um, Superman ended up pulling the kryptonite out, and he was fine, and all that kind of stuff. I do wonder where he threw that, though. <laughs> anyway, uh, we find out at the end of the episode, this mysterious stranger has his own spaceship, which looks hella technologically advanced. He's got his own AI that talks to him, because I guess every supervillain needs that. And uh, he is addressed as Captain Luther. Bum, bum, bum. All right. So let's go with the obvious of what this could be. This is a crisis on Infinite Earth's crisequence. This is uh, a Lex Luthor or a Luther from a different world, a different, uh, you know, from the multiverse, a different planet a different earth and somehow survived crisis is that what you're thinking as well professor yeah i think so i think um uh you know the fact that you know he is luthor you know when he takes the helmet off you know up until that point we didn't know is he human or not 
you know, we didn't see his face, uh, but we're going to assume, you know, he is a human. So I think the the only reasonable assumption is that this is a chrysoquence, that, you know, uh, Luther lost his plan. And again, the way in which Luther lost the planet, who knows? This could be a very alternate world in which, you know, Kryptonians came to Earth in droves and, and you know, took the planet and, and Luther somehow escaped. Um, you know, we just don't know. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for, you know, Easter eggs and stuff like that to toss into a, a Superman episode, you know, uh, having the character uh, be referred to as a Luthor uh, is something that, you know, I hadn't thought of going in. It took me completely by surprise, but in retrospect, it's like, oh yeah, you got to have a Luthor in the premiere. Come on. What was I thinking? Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, uh, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, yeah. Uh, based off of just the voice acting, I thought Willie Par- Parks uh, knocked it out. Um, he was menacing, um, but he, he had, I mean, I mean, he's very calculating and, uh, I, I like that. Uh, I was like, talk more. I want to get more information from you, uh, because I'm, I'm really interested in who this character is and, and where he came from. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they explain it on this show, because if people are tuning into this show, Without having seen Crisis, the the major five part crossover from what seems like a thousand years ago, uh, or and you know they haven't seen Supergirl or any of these other super shows, then uh, they're gonna need uh, a good info dump as to who he is, how it happened, and why he's here. And uh, I'm I'm here for it. I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to express that on this series um yeah it's interesting i do wonder though professor and this is a question that i wanted to ask you especially now that we're uh, towards the end of uh, the podcast what do you think this series is going to look like is this going to have you know is this going to be like the type of series that we've seen on the cw like a black lightning where you know maybe there isn't a meta of the week always or is this going to lean more towards supergirl or the flash where we will see metas of the week uh, i kind of feel like it's going to be a little bit more towards black lightning where there will be an overall arc i mean clearly i i think at least for this season it's going to be superman versus this captain luther and we're going to have uh, lois lane versus morgan edge you know morgan edge is doing some interesting and nefarious things for whatever reason, buying, buying up plots of land in Smallville, buying up the Daily Planet. So they both each have their own villains. I mean, the kids, I mean, I would assume some of that is power experimentation and that sort of thing. But based off of what we got in the pilot, I don't even feel like we're going to get uh, Jordan suiting up. Like, I don't even think it's gonna, maybe this series is going to be that type of series. Whereas, you know, over on Black Lightning, I kind of felt like we were going to get a thunder. We might get a lightning and that sort of thing. Uh, where do you think this series goes? I know it's based, we're going off just the pilot, but, you know, this is pure speculation. What do you think? How, how do you envision what we're going to be seeing every week for the next, I think, 12 weeks? I think there are 13 episodes. Well, the feel of the pilot was so very different, even though it was written by, uh, um, oh, uh, was was it Berlanti and uh, Jeff Johns? We'll go I with think yes. it was. Uh, but who knows, you know, going forward, you know, like, will they keep the same, you know, cinematic feel? This was a pilot. People, you know, 
they always spend more on a pilot than they do on the other episodes. So, you know, we may find things are, are a little less operatic uh, going forward. I, I, I agree with you that I hope they stay away from the, uh, you know, the meta of the week. There's also, you know, another, you know, apparently the, the, the real, the big bad that they were saying for the season is supposed to be this inventor. Uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, uh, I do think that, uh, you know, it would be smart for them to stay away from, you know, uh, just looking for an excuse for him to, to suit up, uh, and fight something because, you know, unless they're going to go the small bill route where, you know, there's a bunch of, uh, meteor freaks, uh, running around, there's no reason for Superman to be, uh, you know, suiting up and fighting stuff in Smallville, which would mean he'd have to be suiting up and flying away from his family. And the whole point of this was for him to be with his family more. So I think, yeah, I think, you know, they can they can mine a lot out of, you know, um, Jordan developing his powers. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to suit up. Certainly not in the first season. I think it'll be a, a slower process, as as Clark said in this episode, his powers were manifesting differently. Uh, you know, so it's going to be, you know, an experimental process. Uh, I think, you know, there's there's obviously, you know, going to be, you know, difficulties for the twins of adapting to this new life. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, Lois, you know, doing the research into, you know, what Morgan Edge is up to. I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff to do here, but I do hope they stay away from, you know, the meta of the week. And, and you know, purely pragmatically, that would save them some CG money. Um, and I think the show would just be, uh, you know, have that more grown up feel to it. But that said, this is the CW. The CW appeals to a younger demo, right? The CW is looking to to draw the people in. And there's a danger that if they go that route, because, you know, Black Lightning didn't do really meta of the week that much. And look what's happened to Black Lightning. Uh, you know, in terms of its ratings, um, you know, I, I, I wonder how much they'll be willing or indeed able to to break away from the established, uh, you know, structure of we've got an overarching, you know, big bad. And every episode we find out little, you know, uh, bits of the puzzle towards defeating the big bad at the end of the season. But in the meantime, you've got to defeat a bunch of others. Um, so I really don't know. I, I, I don't get any sense from the the pilot felt very different. Uh, from from what we've seen from uh, other pilots uh, in the CW verse, so you know, I think that bodes well. I think it's it's you know there, there's a danger you know, and even as you were talking about you know the fact that oh you've got a superhero who's got a kid who's developing superpowers. Well, they did that on Black Lightning. Uh, you know, you've got someone who is you know trying to keep his identity secret. Well, they've done that on these shows and and so on and so forth. There's there's always the danger that well we've already done that. Um, so. I do hope they, they find a way to to branch off and do something that is different and unique to this show. Uh, and, and I think, you know, from the, the opening episode, it does seem that they're trying to go their own way. They're trying to create something new within the CW verse. And, uh, you know, I wish them well on that. I, I hope they're successful because, you know, there is a danger that, you know, the you know the, the shows can all start to seem like each other you know people have always criticized you know the marvel movies as having you know structural similarities because you know they've they've all got the uh the fingerprints of kevin feige all over them uh, whereas you know the cw verse shows you know they can be a little more diverse and uh, you know in, in their terms of their storytelling if nothing else so yeah i'm hopeful i i hope they will go a little slightly different route i don't think we i think you know and honestly you don't need to see you know superman you know, beating stuff up every week. You could just have him, you know, walk into frame wearing his, you know, Superman costume uh, and say, well, I'm back from Tokyo or whatever. Uh, having said that, I, I, you know, he will be suiting up a fair bit because you know, one of the things we found out is that they did, you know, redesign uh, his suit. So it's, you mm-hmm. know, more comfortable to wear, which means he will be wearing it uh, a fair bit. But uh, yeah, I, I do hope they stay, stay away from the meta of the week. Um, as I said, there's, there's just no reason for it. 
you know, in a small bill setting. And if they were having him fly off to fight the matter of the week, then he's leaving his family behind. And I just I hope, you know, as I mentioned when I was talking about the uh, the twins, I like the fact that by the end of the episode, you know, the family had come around, you know, and again, where do you find a well-adjusted, happy family? Uh, you know, on the CW verse, nowhere. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the the fact that, you know, by the end of the episode, the the twins had, had seemingly forgiven, you know, their parents for the lie and were just, uh, you know, going to, you know, run off and find out how to put a plow on a tractor. Um, you know, I think that was, you know, a very positive way at the end of the episode. And I don't want to see, you know, sullen teens, uh, you know, making bad decisions or, you know, I, I already watch Black Lightning, so I get plenty of that. Yeah. But they are teens, so they will be making bad decisions, and we will be wincing oh, no at doubt. some point. Yeah. Well, we saw Jordan you know, uh, lay a smacker on a girl who didn't want it. So. I know, right? Oh, can I tell you? Okay, since we're wrapping this, this up, uh, let, let me just say this. I laughed at that moment so much because it was C- so CWL. And and I think we were all expecting it, you know, from like the opening shots of like Sarah and like how he was looking at her and like, oh, that one summer and all that kind of stuff. Like you could tell he was really into her. And then when it happened and like we had the romantic CW music playing <laughs> and he even orchestrated it. He put the hand down on the on the knee and the thigh, whatever. He leaned in, he kissed and it was almost like the record scratch, like what are you doing the music stops and he gets wailed it by the boyfriend and that shit was so funny (laughs) it was just because it was like what we expected from the cw but then it took a like it veered in a very different direction and and again the sort of the 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 grounded realism of that the socially awkward teen the girl he's had a crush on for years you know he's with her he he misreads the cues he goes in for the kiss but they gave him the redemption at the towards the end of the episode where he apologized for his action. Yes. He wasn't, you know, some incel, oh, she was asking for it to do, you know, or anything like that. He was like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Uh, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. You know, me culpa, me a maximum culpa. And again, yes. I think it just shows that, you know, uh, the, the, the twins have been raised well, that, you know, Lois and Clark have been good parents. And that's why I really don't want to see the twins, you know, for them to suddenly start, you know, acting all, you know, angsty and sullen and stuff like that, even though that's obviously the CW's, you know, bread and butter. Yeah. Although Jordan um, seems you know, to be angsty anyway, but uh, I mean, he's yes. also has social anxiety. So, yes. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, as I said, I like the fact that, you know, he had social anxiety. I like the fact that Sarah was dealing with stuff. Uh, I think that that is, you know, uh, you know, something that they can bring in, which, you know, really hasn't been a big part of the CW first, you know, it's, it's part of, you know, a growing realization that, you know, mental illness is real and it's something that we have to acknowledge and deal with. And I think having a show deal with it in a forthright and frank way. And also, you know, the fact that, you know, uh, you know, Jordan made, you know, probably the worst mistake that you can most horrifying thing that can happen to you if you've got social anxiety disorder uh, and yet was able to, to, you know, sort of step out of it and say, look, I made a mistake. I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, shows, you know, he's, he's got some maturity to him. Now I'm sure we'll get some resentment from, uh, from Jonathan. Oh, I had to leave my girlfriend behind in the city and, you know, I'm not going to be able to play for that great team and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I, I hope that's not a big part of it. You know, I, as I say, I, I get enough whining teens elsewhere. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah, I I liked his socially awkward apology, and I like that both of them, both Jordan and Sarah, are a little socially awkward as well. Outside of uh, 
whatever they have going on as far as, uh, you know, anxiety or we didn't really get a, a clearer definition as to what happened or what, uh, what, um, what's going on with Sarah in particular. I'm sure we will learn a little bit more as the series progresses. So uh, before we head into the MVP, Professor, was there anything that I missed? A teeny tiny little moment or anything that you would like to discuss before we start heading into our final segments? Uh, the show had some great Easter eggs. Uh, you know, we mentioned, and they weren't so much CW verse Easter eggs. Uh, they were more callbacks to uh, to earlier versions of Superman. So, you know, when we see him for the first time in Metropolis, he's wearing, you know, the uh, the suit with the black logo. Uh, you know, my mom made it for me. Uh, then that's, you know, a callback to, you know, when Superman was first animated, the Fleischer shorts. Uh, there were several scenes uh, that were clear callbacks to the movies. Um, there was a, a reference to the technology of his ship, which is very much the, uh, the Zack Snyder's Man of steel technology so you know there was a lot of you know fan service in there you know names of characters and uh and uh and you know sort of uh, some of the visual aspects to it as well uh that uh that you know i really liked uh you know it, it's showing a respect for the uh, the source material you know sometimes a criticism we sometimes have of you know cw verse shows and marvel shows is they'll just take a character's name and leave out everything else about them but i think that was like a little bit of a nod towards the serious fans that you know what we know this stuff too we love these characters Trust us, we're respecting them. Very true. And uh, you had uh, referenced uh, the writers for this episode. It was uh, Greg Berlanti and Todd Helbing. Oh, Todd Helbing, of course. Yes. All right, so now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely, Professor. Who's your MVP? Well, it was, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a cheat always to choose, you know, a titular character, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, Clark was great, you know, uh, uh, both as Superman and as Clark, uh, you know, he, I thought he really sold, you know, his relationship with Lois, the obvious love and trust they have for each other. Uh, but also, you know, his, his concerns over, you know, he's a superpowered being, but he's concerned that he's failing his family. Uh, and I thought, uh, you know, it was really well played, uh, you know, very solid. And, uh, we knew, you know, from, from knowing the character, you know, in, in Supergirl, uh, you know, what uh, Tyler's capable of doing with it. But I thought he did really, really well and, and got the show off to a, a really strong start. A very good choice. And he looked fantastic in the new suit. New suit looks great. New suit was fantastic. All right. Uh, I am going to give the MVP, because you picked the right one. Let's just be real. I'm going to give it to the Mysterious Stranger, because I think Wally Parks did a lot with just voice. Uh, we, we, I mean, it was pretty much a CGI creation that we saw uh, throughout, uh, you know, his various encounters with Superman, but uh, he sold it. Uh, I'm hella intrigued to see who this man is, where he's from, and and that's just based off of the voice alone. Um, and of course, we got the reveal at the end that uh, his last name is Luther. I mean, that's going to be hella interesting. I do wonder if Lex and this Luther are ever going to meet. <laughs> that might be kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if John Cryer's Lex Luthor would really mesh with this world that they've created. I think he's a little too campy. I wouldn't mind seeing David Harewood come for a visit. Oh. Wait, you I mean... Think, you know, he's... he's, he's Martian, Martian Manhunter? Man yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't I think, think they've talked he, about because he's it. he's a more mature character, um, and uh, you know he's he's a, he's a, a great actor with fantastic chops. And you know I'm you know if this is a way that we could keep the character around even after Supergirl wraps, uh, you know having someone you know for example you mentioned the scene where you know Superman has to you know pluck the kryptonite out and, and toss it away. So that means there's a chunk of kryptonite lying out there somewhere. You need someone who can go fly and and get the kryptonite. Uh, for you. And, you know, Superman doesn't really have anyone like that. So, you know, uh, you know, bringing him in, I think might be interesting. Uh, maybe he's a little too CW verse. We'll see what the show does, uh, you know, with its approach to storytelling going forward. But I think he he could be, you know, just thinking in terms of, you know, who I would want to port over from Supergirl. He's the one character, I think, that could uh, make the transition. Yeah, I do agree with you on that. Yeah, I don't think we've heard of, of him crossing over at all. Uh, there are reports of uh, Diggle from Arrow making his way to uh, Superman and Lois and also appearing on some of the other shows. I think he's supposed to appear on all of the shows, if I'm not mistaken, hmm. at some point this season. Um, I don't know if that's still happening based off of COVID, but uh, at least that's what was supposed to happen. So we will have to wait and see. Uh, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 red capes? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, Professor, where do you stand? I may be setting myself up for disappointment, but I'm going to archive this. This was a tremendous pilot. You know, in terms of introducing us to the characters, uh, getting everything set up, setting up the longer-term plot questions that we're going to have to deal with, introducing some new characters. Um, and indeed, you know, really, you know, uh, almost all the characters were new characters when you think about it. You know, Superman and Lois had been established, but everything else, including their kids, was new to this episode. So they had to do a lot of work to do that. But they did in a very satisfying cinematic style, which, as I've said constantly, it just doesn't feel like a CW show. And I'm curious to see what they do going forward. Oh, gosh. I wasn't going to come in that high, but now the peer pressure. Um, I actually I don't disagree with you on everything that you said. It, it was a very different um, type of series than, than we've ever seen on the CW. And that's a good thing. I mean, it's no diss to the CW shows because we talk about all the CW shows. Um, you know what? I, fuck it. Why not? Fortress of Solitude as well for me. It, it was a beautiful pilot. And uh, I think it's rare nowadays to say that a pilot was just perfect. And this one was. Uh, I mean, the, the thing that I could ding it on is that we didn't get enough Lois, but it kind of makes sense based off of everything that was going on in the storyline. I could ding it that we didn't get a Cara Danvers, but uh, the professor kind of talked me out of it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the pilot was practically perfect in every way, and uh, you, you really don't get the chance to say that as often, especially on the CW. No offense to the other shows. Well, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Smallville Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives.
You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Smallville Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Smallville Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papichulo Radio Archives. Good night.